Welcome to episode two of the Hoof Hearted podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at FPL Hoof. I'm your host, Alan. I was joined today by Fraser, and we had a chat about all things FPL. We caught up on his strategy, his current draft. We had a talk about the Community Shield. We talked about some super relevant players that everyone's interested in, like Pereira at West Brom, Mario Goza, who's on a free, who's not joining West Ham, and Gelfie Sigurdsson, who no one has thought about in a season and a half. So we hope you enjoy the episode, and we'll catch up with you on Twitter at FBL Hoof. Laters! Podcast episode two. We have got Fraser Johnston with us. How are you, Fraser? Yeah, not too bad, Alan. Not too bad. And we've got a pretty, uh, pretty tight schedule now. We're only, what, 11 days till kickoff. We have seen some moves in the transfer market. We've got the Community Shield. We Nine days already... till kickoff. Nine? I thought it was the 14th. Was it no, the 12th? The 12th is Saturday. The 14th is Monday, mate. Oh, my God. It's even less. It's wow. ridiculous. Uh, well, this is it. We're all trying to jam too much in, man. We're just too busy. It's crazy stuff. It's an international um, break. Oh God, honestly, Jennifer asked me yesterday. She was like, "What's the Nations League?" I was like, "I don't have time to describe these things to you. Like, just football. Just go on with. <laughs> Who cares? I don't even care." Um, yeah, so we missed you on the first podcast, I think. Um, but we'll get we'll get your thoughts on a bit of the stuff that we talked about, maybe your current draft and how you're dealing with the game blank game week. So I don't think anyone's come up with a kind of answer that has satisfied myself. Um, we actually watched the Charity Shield. We were in a shout-out to Murrayfield Sports Bar. We were there definitely getting coronavirus. Uh, watched the Charity Shield. Uh, we talked about some of the transfers. We might have a wee bit of a chat about some stats and so maybe have a look at the Twitter template. We've got a team. There's certainly at least eight or nine guys really starting to come through. I'm seeing on all the Twitter accounts. But again, you know, you can't be completely swayed by a gazillion shadows on Twitter picking your team but talking about Saros picking their team let's have a look at your team if you're if, I mean you don't need to give us the whole shebang but I'm quite happy to hear it um, if you want to share yeah no happy to happy to share it um, right let's start in goal McCarthy. first choice goalie and is McCarthy. that lock and load for the season yeah McCarthy will probably sit there all season only worry will be an injury and I know he missed the start of last season but um, yeah, no, he'll just sit there all season. All right, and then before we get into who's on your field, what formation have you currently got on field? Uh, four four two. Interesting. Now, let's not preempt it yet. Who is that? But is that because you have a Man United or Man City or a Burnley on your bench that you're bringing in, or is that because you've got a team you're happy with and you like four four two? Well. It was going to be three five two, but um, the news today that uh, Mr. Suchek has decided to contract or been in contact with Sunday with coronavirus and may have to isolate for fourteen days has meant I haven't had a time to tinker with the team other than pick it as four four two. So um, no. it was three five two with a Burnley on my bench, but no, um, plan was probably going to be three five two. So now four four two. Let's start from the back. Then you're back four. Yeah, I've got Robertson, Trent, yeah. Vinagre, yeah. and yeah. Mitchell. Mitchell Palace. Okay. Yeah, he's played all preseason, right? Yeah. No, he's played all preseason. Um, I know a lot of talk and the big, the big Twitter template and big call out was uh, Nathan Ferguson moving from West Brom, 
but he's injured at the moment, hasn't featured in pre-season, and Mitchell's played every game, so he's starting to look like probably the most promising four million defender. So he is in at right. the moment. Midfield four then? It's pretty pretty standard for most people. Salah, Oba, Son, and I've gone for Pereira at West Brom. I don't I don't even know who he really is. Uh, How much does he cost you? Six million. Six million, yeah. He was on loan last season. They've made that a permanent transfer this season. He was their top assister last year. He gets forward, so they've not got a bad fixtures to start off the league, and it kind of opens up a few X. Well, lets me have that more expensive midfield. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then up top. Up top, we have. Just basically top two strikers, Werner and Mitrovic. Um, Werner scored in pre-season. He scored tonight for Germany against Spain. Mm. And Mitrovic, top goals. Basically, he's a proven goal scorer. He will play every week. I saw a stat on Twitter that he played 90 minutes in all 40 of his starts last season. So yeah, he, he only he lost his spot to Bobby Reid, but that was only because of injury. And... Um... Promoted side might hit the ground running. I think they did a couple of years ago. I'm sure they scored quite a lot of goals early. Um, all right, okay, yeah. And so go and tell me your bench then. Uh, the bench, Nyland in goals, four million. He'll never play, but he looks like he may start for Villa. Um, there's just the uncertainty of what's happening with Heaton being injured, but the not that that will matter. Um, it's four million backup goalies. I'm going to yeah, play anyway. Um, I've got Suchek at five million. I've got Taylor from Burnley, and I've just got a throwaway striker in Vasilev. I've gone for him ahead of Davis just because my plan is to not wild card early. So right. with a lot of wild cards early, you might see Davis dropping out of a lot of teams, and I don't want to lose the value early on. So I've just gone for somebody with low ownership to try yeah. and avoid any price drops there. Yeah, no, it's pretty fair. I mean, one of the things that came through, I guess, of that four, assuming Suchek gets himself healthy, is you get Taylor from Burnley as well, did you say? Yeah, Taylor and Burnley. I think the plan would always be, um, again, it's probably Trent and Robbo will just sit there all season yeah. and barring an injury, won't move. I think Ed was talking about that. He spoke about a defence that you don't move on. Um, I've had literally yeah. had I've had those three Liverpool in from the start. Every draft has had Trent, Robbo, and Salah, so yeah. almost building the team around that. And uh, I can just see Taylor and Vinagre swapping, depending on who the fixture is. Now, if you were allowed to pick your team and Man United and Man City were both playing in game week one, how how different do you think it would look? Because I remember my team when I first put my draft together even pre-fixtures, I think I had either five or six Man City and Man United players. So I guess in terms of price points, you've given yourself some options there. You know, you can move maybe an Obama Yang, and that seems quite popular if you wanted to go to a KDB. You can move Son to someone like a Greenwood. You could maybe upgrade a Mitrovic to Martial, et cetera, et cetera. What are you thinking yeah. about the Manchester clubs? Kerrin was talking on episode one that he wasn't too worried about Man City because of the fixtures. I'm a bit worried about Man United because of the exact same reason. They were awesome after restart because they played loads of bad teams and they turned them over. They've got the almost the exact same run-in for the first kind of 10, 12 games. They look amazing fixtures. 
Yeah, no, I um, my back three would have been Trent Robbo and Ar- and Wan Bissaka, and to throw away four millions, they'd have just sat there all season, barring uh, any injuries. Uh, I've not done that. I may look to do that anyway. I haven't quite figured out yet. Midfield would have probably had Greenwood. I think he is the best option to get into that Man United team, especially if you want to keep Salah. And Man City, yes, I want KDB. I think he's the best. Like Ed mentioned, maybe Sterling. I don't know. I think he probably will do better than he did last season as well. So one of those two. Um, Especially if he gets off to a flyer, I think it'll be very difficult to leave out of your team. Um, The big worry with City, may have touched on it last week, is uh, if they go and blow their 600 million and bring in Messi, and that just throws everything out the the water. But I think that, I think after reports today, it looks like he may be staying. So, yeah, I'm not doing anything with my team until I see him holding up a shirt. And even then, he's missing game week one, so he's not going to be in my team game week one. So I'm building a team at the moment I'm quite happy with. Now, in terms of... I was going to say, with my team at the moment, I've got two up top, but I actually think there may be a wee bit more value in the forwards this year. And having two and a throwaway forward, it doesn't really give me the option unless I lose one of the big powerhouses in midfield. I've seen a lot of teams with Werner is a a staple, but maybe having an Ings in there alongside a Mitrovic or an Antonio. Mm. Then at least you've got that easy. I think Martial, you guys touched on it last week. I think he could be probably the hot prospect of the season, especially up front. Yeah, this is one of the big problems, I think, with fantasy in terms of the way that the pricing is. is it's, it's, It's skewed in a sort of odd way where... We know why Salah's 12. Now, if you take Salah out and you replace him with someone like, I don't know, you know, a, a, a Bruno Fernandes and then you downgrade an Obama Yang to someone like a Pulisic, you take that extra money and you turn, say, a 4.5 defender into someone like Robbo and then an Antonio into a Martial, your team looks fantastic. The, the trouble is, is that the holes that those guys get, we sort of, we, we think we know what we might get with a guy like Martial. We also think he's probably underpriced. But, you know, if you're going to pay $12 million for someone like Obama, you're going to pay somewhere $12 million for Salah, they're going to get you north of 200 points. And you can sort of bank that. I don't see, I'm not saying that Martial won't get us north of 200. He just looks absolutely burst for it. But do you want to be that brave early in the season and not go with guys like Salah and Obama Yang so that you can flesh out your team and make it look like really consistent? I've done a couple of drafts with that, teams like that. and it looks fantastic. I absolutely love the look of the team. The problem is, is that, yeah, A, everyone's presumably going to be captain in Salah game week one, home to Leeds, right? And then what do you do if you're trying to chase those points? Plus, you know, we're already sitting in a situation where, touched on it game week one, obviously the Manchester teams aren't playing. And I think one of the best options out there this season is, is Pulisic with a really, really more attacking Chelsea, or sort of, certainly a better Chelsea. And he's, yeah. you know, he's not going to be fit for game week one. So it's this kind of odd situation we've got ourselves stuck in. And in terms of strategy, as someone who, you know, you like a hit more than Stan Collymore did when he was going out with Ulrika, what are you going to be doing this season, given that you've talked a few times there about keeping guys for the whole season? Is that is the plan to lock those guys in and then twiddle around with the rest? And are you also equally worried, maybe as I am, that, 
We need to be keeping transfers. We need to be keeping wild cards because we're already seeing. I know Neymar's not in the Premier League, but Neymar's got Corona. Two checks haven't self isolated. Pogba self isolated. We might have a whole bunch of players that we can't go anywhere near. Yeah, no, I think uh, I know you guys touched on it last week, but absolutely, if Scotland is anything to go by, uh, I've had a wee dabble this year in the fancy football in Scotland. They actually have one of the best. Their vice captain is so much better. I think it's something that you should adapt. They should adapt into FPL, where captain gets double all points. But if you vice captain a forward, you get double the attacking points if they score any. And if you vice captain a defender, you get double the t- defensive points. So you score with you almost have two bonus players in your team. Oh, they also have a yes, and there's another interesting thing with the subs, and it actually subs on your highest scoring player. So what you do see is you see you see people who have like a mixed average bench and they have dead weight that's guaranteed not to start on the field so that they get right. their highest scoring bench player to replace it and you almost get three players for the price of one. But obviously different game, but we all saw that. Aberdeen, eight players, Celtic and a boy go away. Anything can happen. I think the Premier League's probably going to have a little more control than the teams in Scotland, but... Yeah, no, keeping mm. that wild card is going to be probably pretty useful. My tactics this year, I have to avoid the hits. I'm going to try. I'm not scared to take a hit, as I've proven. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly not. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think if I can stick to the plan that I set out, yeah. at least knowing that over the long haul, you've got, I've got three or four players who are guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but you're pretty sure are going to be 180 to 220 minimum as long as I don't yeah. touch them and you let a few ride out with bad forms that was my problem last year I jumped off Liverpool at completely the wrong time I had them big at the start they couldn't keep a clean sheet for the first five or six games jumped off them and then they just went on a crazy right. run and that's when Trent and Robbo picked up points so no definitely going to keep uh, keep the hits to a minimum if I can I think everyone's kind of hopefully thinking the same sort of thing. I mean, it's easy to say, and it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out. Because I think my big worry is game week two, Man United at home to Palace. I have a huge semi-erection already about that game where I'm looking at it thinking, God, I might just move Aubameyang out for Bruno, bring, so, off, bring Greenwood off my bench, and then I've got two Man United to cover that game. But I really also want Martial and... Yeah, I'm sort of struggling. I mean, the last season, obviously, it was quite easy. Most people had either De Bruyne or at least De Bruyne or maybe one other at, at times. Man City are just going to... I mean, they didn't even win the league last year. They still scored 100 goals. Like, they're, they're crazy good. And we were talking about it briefly last week. You can look at Man City and think, all right, well, maybe you can pick Sterling for the big games and rotate your big premiums. That seems to be another thing that's popping up quite a lot about a way to maybe role your team this season but De Bruyne is just that good that, that often you know I mean what was it 13 goals and 20 odd something assists I mean he's almost oh. getting a return a game the guy's off the charts yeah I think I suppose it's a question from me to you and probably to anyone is if Obama Yang has got Fulham away in the first game yeah. West Ham at home in the second game and Liverpool away in the third if Obama yeah. Yang bangs two or three in each of those first two games do people stick to their solution of pinging him out mm. for KDB, which seems yeah. to be the most popular, or 
if Salah is quiet in the first two games, mm. do you risk getting rid of Salah? I don't know. That's a, that's my question: is what happens with Obama Yang if he fires in those first two games? He's dead easy. I, Karen called him a placeholder, and to be fair, he actually that's all he was. He never featured in any of my drafts pre-knowing no. they were going to be out. He's now in there. He took his goal exceptionally well in the Charity Shield. He played yeah. quite well in the Charity Shield. I think him, Tierney and Maitland-Niles actually worked well as a three down that left-hand side. When one came in, the other went out. Um, that was... It was all right for Arsenal. They looked well, yeah. quite good, but Liverpool looked a bit abject in the game. So, well, let's talk about that. We're moving on to the charity shield. Yeah, we watched it. Finished one each. Um, it was quite a good game. There was lots of space. It felt a wee bit pre-season-y. It felt like Liverpool were a bit more off the pace in terms of just a bit of sharpness. I think Arsenal just knew they sort of had to try and live with them as long as they could. Um, they're obviously not as good a team as them, but they're certainly as well drilled. Um, yeah, Aubameyang's like, goal was off the charts oh. and you know a bit of a scrappy equaliser I mean Liverpool were probably the better team but there wasn't a massive amount of chances and then obviously it went to penalties I mean that you know Aubameyang bangs that goal and we're just looking for anything because if you, like we said KDB's missing game week one Sterling's missing game week one Bruno Fernandes missing game week one Manny finished the season not great you're only really looking at Manny, Salah and Aubameyang if you're going to have two premiums in your midfield spot. One of them goes and scores straight away. Salah was a wee bit quiet, but, you know, he has those games. I don't know. I mean, there was part of me that thought, great, you know, okay, that's kind of confirmation that Aubameyang's on a hot streak and he can score against anyone. He obviously got in the cup final against Chelsea. I'm not going to not lock him in because we don't really have any other options. But here's an interesting one. I'm not quite sure what to do because that form that Arsenal have sort of carried on through the end of patchy through the end of this towards the end of the season, but they did beat um Liverpool in the league. They've won an FA Cup semi final. They then went and won the final, two from Aubameyang. Aubameyang gets two in the semi as well against Man City. Now he's got one against them in the Champions League. Uh, sorry, in the Charity Shield final. I mean suddenly we're looking at a guy that's I mean almost yeah, like you say, undroppable. I don't know, I liked him, I thought he looked good, but in general the game I thought, I don't know, I didn't really the few stats that you picked out that I thought were interesting about some of the Liverpool performances, but apart from that, there wasn't anything that jumped out that made me move one way or the other. Yeah, no, I thought Robbo looked the most lively at Liverpool, and I just seen after the match he had fifteen crosses That's in a the lot game. Of crosses. Um, and then also the other one that they picked somebody was I can't remember where I was reading this, but apparently the most common ball it was Van Dijk to Salah twenty mm-hmm. times he went long to Salah. Yeah. Now, against the lesser teams, Sal's going to take that down, go past the fullback or inside the centre-back and potentially score. That opens up Van Dijk for assist possibilities. But other than that, yeah. Liverpool pretty quiet. I thought um, when they dropped, they took off Nico Williams. He was getting roasted by Maitland-Niles and Aubameyang. So when they brought off, they put Gomez to right back and dropped Fabinho into centre-half. I thought they looked a lot more mm-hmm. solid. Um, that that would be my only concern for Liverpool is if Trent isn't fit, although he is in the England squad, so I'm hope, looking for him to play some minutes for England. Uh, but if he's not fit, I won't quickly be going to get Nico Williams in. What do you think? What do you think about Liverpool in general? I, you know, I 
we had a bit of a chat about sort of the pre-season odds for the title and I mean they're going to skew a wee bit towards Manchester City anyway because on paper they've got such a good squad and he might be buying Messi although maybe not likely but how worried are you I mean I've, I'm, in my current draft I've got the same I've got Robbo I've got Trent I've got Salah how worried should we be that Liverpool have been a bit dodgy since the restart they didn't look great against Arsenal not that they need to are we, are we worried or do we think they're going to go into game week one and be like right this is sort of it now no, or I don't do we mean. think do we think that maybe this is just them returning back to a wee bit of getting eighty to ninety points in the Premier League rather than trying to push a hundred and being one of the best teams we've ever seen? No, I don't think we need to be worried about them. I think um, as soon as that title was wrapped up, they were on holiday, they backed out. It's now pre-season. I don't think the chat the charity shield is a friendly game. It's the ultimate of it. Yes. Arsenal looked like they won the, the World Cup. but Well, it came at a weird time, right? Normally get it a week before the season starts and we're getting it sort of two, two, two and a bit weeks out. What do you think of Arsenal? Kieran is quite, um, I wouldn't say pro-Arsenal. I think he just thinks they're a bit better than, um, not that they are, but he certainly thinks that they're going to maybe push on this year as, as a few other teams. And you've mentioned them a few times. I know in early drafts you were sort of maybe hoping that Tierney might get the gig. In a back four or as a wing back, so we could push on. That that maybe seems unlikely, but do you, are we looking at anyone else from Arsenal? No, you're right. Tierney Tierney was in there, but he looked like he played in a back three. Um, so, but interestingly, with the ball, only when they don't have the ball, they form a back three. So mm. it was a back three without the ball, but with the ball, it goes to a back four. And Maitland Niles was just like actually. He signed. Hopefully, he signs a new deal. I think, or he might have done. I can't remember. He has signed a new deal. He actually could be a cheaper option into that Arsenal midfield. Saka looked really lively. I thought he yeah, he did quite so. well. He he ran he ran at Robertson a lot, but then there was a lot of times Milner just came in and covered, and that just shut that right down. And then Saka. Yeah. The worry for Saka. Only worry with Saka is defensively, he is in no man's land. He hasn't got. He didn't have a clue. That's why Robertson no, gets so much space. I'd, I think when I did one draft recently, I had a I had a five and a half million space in midfield, and I I liked Saka. I had Saka last year for a bit, you know, because he was obviously so cheap. And then Ketia's. I mean, there, I think this is one of the weird seasons where some of these guys might emerge as really good options. I think that see this season they won't. I think it's going to be tough for them to be comparable to guys at the same sort of price points. You know, we would want say a five and a half mil guy. Maybe even a six mid, like you say, you got the guy from West Brom. I think my guy at moments, Stuart Armstrong from Southampton. We want a guy playing every single week. We want him playing attacking, and we want him to hopefully pick up points. I think there's still the chance. I mean, Saka got subbed off, so there is yeah. the outside chance. Yeah, Nketiah's interesting though. Yeah, he's a good Niketia. player. He is, and I think obviously we didn't see Lacazette. There's chat that he wants away. If he mm. goes away, there's nobody else. That although. No. They may stick Obama Yang there, and that means him as a midfielder playing as that central striker role, like yeah. he did part of last season, just makes his value even greater. Yeah, that much better. But well, talking, about, talking about dropping him. Talking about running, um, we've got our first sponsor here. Um, this is uh, Willie Brown's got in touch again. And he um, was very appreciative of the shout out last time. He's got a fitness fad called. Um, uh, run ya fucker 
And what he does is he will turn up to your uh, place of residence at any time with a big stick and he'll chase you and he'll shout, run your fucker for anywhere between 15, 30 or 45 minutes as a way to lose weight. So that's run your fucker from Willie Brown and that's 555-4127. Run your fucker, Willie Brown. All right, let's go to part two. Part two, transfers. Now, the really interesting thing is how uninteresting loads of these transfers actually are, but we were talking more sort of the either the potential purchases in or the ones that have already been brought in and then how that's going to make the team function. So, you know, Leeds have spent a bit of money and that's reasonably interesting. You know, Rodrigo's come in for a chunk of time. I'm not quite sure how good or bad Leeds will be. They're rated quite highly if you look at, say, odds. And, you know, Bielsa's a bit of a legend that they won the league. And there's a lot of tosh in the bottom half of that. I'm unconvinced because of early fixtures. But, you know, it could be maybe an option. Chelsea have bought 9 million different players and could potentially field a completely new 11. And almost should in some aspects because, you know, they were... Pretty bobbins, especially at the back last year. The bottom you left back, Chilwell's in, Thiago Silva's in, Havertz looks like he's joining. Uh, we've got Werner, we've got Ziyech, uh, we're going to have a bunch of people leaving. Everton also seem to be joining that pack where uh, James Rodriguez looks likely to join. We've got uh, who else did they buy? They bought some they other brought guys. the boy Allen from Napoli. They might be bringing him in and. Yeah. The best signing, actually, I think, is Ducure from Watford. Yeah, I think, previously uh, I think, a bit of an option at Watford. Yeah, I think maybe not the best signing, but I think that's been a good bit of business. It's interesting them bringing in those three. I had half up thought, that pretty dodgy midfield, right? Yeah, interesting though. Pre-season, Siggy mm. scored twice. Okay, twice against Blackpool. They were three 0 down after ten minutes. But interesting, Siggy was on pens. Which could be an interesting one. I, I don't. I don't know who was on the park at the time. Richarlison, I thought, was an okay option at eight million, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Everton start. Yes, yeah, Spurs on the first game, but after that, they're pretty, pretty good run. Especially if they get the likes of Rodriguez, Ducuri, and he plays up top. Although the likelihood is he pushes out left, so eight million isn't worth it. And then Dominic Calvert Lewin becomes an option. But do you want to rest your FPL hopes on him. You got a hot last year, Don McCoverley, and I had him for a bet when it was, uh, you know, there was the discussion about who was going to be the better option. It was either him or um, Ings. Obviously, Ings carried the form through the rest of the season, but they're probably one to keep an eye on. I think, I think a little bit of recency bias is recency bias points us in the direction of guys like, say, a Michael Antonio for six and a half, or maybe we hope Mitrovic comes up and can do. Although Antonio. Antonio worryingly went off injured in his la- in the preseason game. Haven't heard an update on that, but he came on after an hour, went back off twenty minutes later. Yeah, and actually, one of the things, and I haven't even looked at him until now, is the stats for a guy like because um, obviously Gilfie was an absolute like fantasy legend for a few seasons. You know, if you go back to his Swansea days, mad amount of points. And this is a guy who, I mean, if we go from twenty fourteen fifteen. Um, you know, seven goals in about 30 games. Next season, 11 goals. Next season, nine. Then he had a depth down to four, but he only played half a season. Two seasons ago, 13 goals, six assists, 15 clean sheets, 182 points, 
you know, 182 points is ridiculous. He basically scored half that last year. And if we're looking at guys from last season, 182 points puts him like in between Rashford and Sterling. Now, I'm not for a minute suggesting that he is going to recapture that form, but, you know, maybe a draft sleeper. Like, if Everton are going to improve and Ancelotti's not an idiot, you know, this is a guy that's managed at the top, top level. Maybe we need to think about it. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think he and the Everton players could be an option. The only worry is, is where do you fit them in? Where where do you fit them in? Because mm. there are, like, Richarlison is an odd value. He's 8 million. He just doesn't quite fit. He's less than an Ings, but he's more than an Antonio. He needs to be on fire to warrant that spot. Yeah. Albert Lewin, yet slightly cheaper, probably does become a better option. Sigerson, I think he's seven or seven point five. Yeah. yeah, he's seven. He's just he's more expensive than your six, your sixes or your five and a half, which you're using to enable your premiums. Yeah, no, I think, I think maybe a bit like last year. I think yeah, I was going to say maybe like last year, maybe they might do a wee bit of a Leicester where you know there was a point when most people had so some kind of combo. It was Madison and. Um, Bardi primarily and Tuntry was so cheap. So maybe Everton had a better run of form and we can look at those guys. It's going to be so tough though. One of the things that I'm really reticent about is I've got all these guys on my watch list that I probably won't bring in, but you never know, is that it's going to coincide with all the Man City, Man United players coming in. So, you know, someone somewhere is going to get a burst if they take a gamble on a guy like that. And it's going to be yeah. interesting. We talk about Chelsea. Karen's, Karen's super hot, hot on Havertz. He watched a lot of the Bundesliga last year, said he was a beast. Um, I mean, you see much of them. I'm super high on Pulisic. I don't quite know how all these guys fit into the same team. There's even rumours today that Kante might go on his way out to get the right move. So how on earth does Lampard make, presumably he's playing a 4-3-3, how do we fit these guys all into the same team? Yeah. Because does he go 4-2-3-1? Because he could maybe... 4-2-3-1, but then he has to rotate. Uh, there's probably not going to be much defence. But then you've got the likes of a Mason Mount, probably isn't going to get a sniff in that team. He'll be a cup player. He'll come off the bench. The three subs this year, I think is good for FPL. But it may it may see these players, premium players, especially at Chelsea, get more of a rest. So you might find that a Havertz will play three games, then is out for two just because of the rotation or two and one, you might see that. And then are they becoming a real option because they're only going to play 27 games a season instead of 38 or 30 games instead of 38? Yeah, and I guess actually the guy we didn't talk about was, um, and this is the same thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around at the moment, is how um, uh, the new Ajax boy moving to, to Man United, Donny van der Beek, he's, for all intents and purposes, a bit of a kind of, can play anywhere in the midfield, but as, apart from defensive midfield, he's a bit of a kind of pivot guy, but he also can play attacking midfield. And I don't know how, I mean, I think I know roughly what Lampard sort of should do in my head. I, I think probably the same thing with Man United, but I'm not quite sure how that lands in an 11. And I know teams need more than 11 players to make a good run at the Premier League this year. Teams can't get away with it with, you know, with a, we saw that with Man United when they dropped a couple of players for the cup semi-final. They got battered and they played rubbish because their backups were a Gallo, Jesse Lingard and Juan Mata. With all due respect, that's nothing near the top three that they've got. So 
Do we think maybe a guy like him coming in and a guy like, I mean, Havertz is a different kettle of fish because he's cost twice the amount, but do we think this is just the new norm now? So if we pick a guy like a Greenwood or we pick a guy even like a Bruno or we pick a guy like a Pulisic or a Werner as ZH, we're just going to see them maybe play three games and then get dropped, I don't know, home to Burnley and the hope that maybe they don't need to use them because they also, yeah, they've got guys like, like you say, Mason Mounts. Mason Mounts was a great option last year because he was so cheap. Yeah, no, I think I think that will happen, and that's kind of where I worry about my bench. I don't have any of those kind of players on my team at the moment. I've gone pretty, pretty locked players. Um, you've got the likes of Son, Salah, Aubameyang, Perea. They're the best players at their team. They're going to play in midfield. Yeah, I've got locks yeah. in defence. Yes, okay, Vinagre's a worry if some if if Wolves actually sign a player, Charlie Taylor, if. If he decides not to play Peters in midfield, he might see Taylor and Peters up top. I've got Mitrovic and Werner, so I'm pretty. I've got a pretty locked team at the moment, but that yeah. team is only that team's not going to be the same team come five six game weeks. And you bring in the form players, and my bench doesn't have anybody really who's going to come off and give me any sort of even two points to cover that. And that's something I might need to look at. Um, it was interesting you said about Man United. They're also looking at is it Upamecano at centre back to come and mm. play alongside Harry Maguire, but I honestly I, I put it in the chat earlier about uh, apparently Van de Beek has got won the most penalties in the Dutch league over the mm. last two seasons, so that shows how much he gets forward. I can't see Pogba. Pogba looks all right. I can't see him being dropped. So do they play Pogba and him in the two, and Pogba maybe sits? But both of them aren't exactly the most defensive of players. No, and then you've then, got Bruno in the could, ten behind yeah. Martial, and then was it Rashford and Greenwood out wide with a couple other options? They really actually need to bring somebody else in. Yeah, it's a funny one. I don't. I mean, the odd thing I guess with Man United is that even towards the end of the season they did sort of look burned out because those guys were so good. But you know, we've got to remember Rashford, Greenwood, and Martial—they're all like twenty-four and under. So. Yeah, yeah, we would ideally want to see them play 38 games. They're not going to play 38 games. They're not 28-year-olds who, like, Aito is resting on at the moment. We might see a different kettle of fish if they make a big run at it and then everyone else gets dropped for the peripheral games. But What yeah, do you think, think about Grealish? Not big on Grealish at all. I think last year he was exceptional, completely out of his skin. But I just don't see him as a guy... Like, I like my fantasy guys to be... I sort of always want to be chasing upside. So I want to ideally have a midfield that has guys in my original midfield five. I like guys who I think can get, who can haul. So if I was looking at my original midfield five pre-fixtures, I think I had Foden, who I think can get a goal and an assist in any game. I, I had Greenwood, I had Pulisic, I had... Uh, Kevin De Bruyne and I had Salah. I think all of those guys can score and assist in every single game. I love. I, don't get me wrong. I love Grealish. I think he's a fantastic player. I just think he's not a. You know, I know we talked about it in the game, uh, the first podcast. Someone like Bruno is just. Do you know? It reminds me a wee bit of like of like you know Harry Kane just never looks like he wants to leave the pitch. Will never leave the pitch. 
he will score an absolute howler of a tap in in the 94th minute, even though they're 5-0 up at home as someone terrible. That's what I love about guys like that. I think a guy like Grealish is fantastic, but look, he's a guy that you can get in if he runs hot. I was more well, think thinking about him going to Man United. Ugh. Yeah, again, but I think... The, do you know the weirdest thing about that is actually is that if that actually, and I read that was true, was he reminds me a bit of in terms of fantasy output, and actually what he would do is he's just, he's sort of like the same as Pogba. He's a kind of flashy guy. He's good on the ball. He moves it quite well. He comes in and out of games. Obviously, Pogba's much, much better than a guy like Jack Grealish, but the 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 amount of money they need to spend, I'm assuming it's because they need homegrown players, right? Oh, it absolutely must be. It must be that, but, yeah, no. Um, on the transfers, I've been having a look. I love the gossip column. It comes up with so much crap, right? You get the, the weirdest transfers ever. Go on. Here we go. This is the best one. Mario Goetze to West Ham. What? He's out he of contract. He's, no, he's on a free transfer. I thought, do you know what? He'd be all right. An interesting one. Yeah. Matt Ritchie in a swap deal with Bournemouth to bring Callum Wilson to Newcastle. I think no, if think... that went through, he becomes an option because Andy Carroll couldn't he score in a bucket of fannies. And I've been I've been down the Callum Wilson roads too many times. I think <laughs> probably He's... start of last season. <laughs> yeah, God. Well, that's the other thing actually that's paused me for thought a few times actually. Where I'm looking at good early fixtures, and I think I had Callum Wilson and Gerald Delafeu because they had good fixtures early last season. How did that fucking work out? Ish. It didn't. But other than that, there's not a lot much. I'm just having a quick look. Um, yeah, Leeds, Leeds got Rodrigo. So they've got Spain's number one striker because he played tonight against Germany. He started. Uh, whether he is number one striker, I don't know. I've just made that bit up. But he's not... <laughs> He's not, he's not the most... I love prolific. that. He's uh, Spain's number one striker. I just kind of believed that for a second. No, but he's, oh, he's finish, not the most prolific. Finish one each. quick look at the game then, just for the sake of looking at it. Oh, finish so, one each, right? Missed the second Joel goal. Werner, guy I scored in the last minute to equalise. I mean, I know it's Germany and they're amazing, but how can, they're playing Rudiger. Rodrigo got the assist. Game. So, both of them, Rodrigo and Werner, both involved. Um... Interestingly, centre forward played the whole game. Yeah, interestingly, he he played at Bolton in the Premier League before. So when people say he's got no Premier League experience, he did. Not that he scored many goals for them. Yeah, I think he only got one. Still counts. I I don't. um, I mean, the the weird thing is, like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to actually watch a Bielsa team in the flesh. I I watched Bilbao when the Bielsa was manager that season. They went on that amazing UEFA Cup run. They they just don't really score lots of goals, Bielsa teams. I mean, they do when they're on form, but they just, they run and they run and they run and they run and they're mad pressure. But I watched quite a lot of them last year um, in the championship and yeah, putting away chances was a big, big problem. That being said, you would much rather be picking a guy who plays for a team that make a lot of chances that you know are going to play for them because they've played like this for, you know, the two years. They're not going to do anything different. It's a wee bit annoying with those early fixtures. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's a tough one. I mean, what one of the things we don't really know is how impactful the promoted teams will be. Last season, I don't think anyone, because they were so unfashionable, no one fancied um, 
Sheffield United. And then they literally became an absolute, you know, you could base the whole team around picking certainly Lundstrom. But you could easy pick two Sheffield United defenders for absolutely no money. And they were just picking up clean sheets and good bonus points. And, oh, they were tremendous. So I think keeping transfers and being reactive. It's funny, I don't know what your thoughts about this. There's, there's a lot of talk about locking up defenders and I get it with guys like Robbo and, and Trent, but a team like Leeds start keeping clean sheets, especially Ailing and Dallas, they're cheap defenders. We've got to jump on them the moment they start hitting some form, right? Yeah, no, I think they'll probably do well. I think even just, look, just looking now at the relegation odds, so West Brom and Fulham are about even money to go down. There's not right. much love for them. Aston Villa, 2-1. to one. Palace, best price, 9-4. Newcastle, they're your bottom. Leeds, they're, Leeds are, what are they? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. They're ninth. They're, they look, on the relegation odds, they're looking mid-table. Ninth? They're the ninth. ninth least? Yep. You've I mean, got the, Palace, oof. Newcastle, Burnley, Sheffield United, Brighton before Leeds. West Ham have got apparently less chance of going down than Leeds. Well, maybe I don't know about that. West Ham are a bit of a dumpster fire, although they finished the season quite well. I don't know. I think the big one that jumps out there for me there is Villa. Villa stayed up by the absolute skin of their teeth last year, and they had to be quite good. But then they did shoot up a wee bit um, towards the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I'm looking at my draft right now, and I've, I've tweaked and changed it, and I think if not that they would ever do this, but you know, if you could find, if if you didn't really announce, if you had to lock in your team before the fixtures, and we knew everyone was playing game week one, I think my team would look very different. I'd maybe take a punt on a guy like maybe an Ailing or a Dallas, but I don't, I, oh, I don't know. This is the problem, and I think a lot of teams are going to have this. If we quickly talk about the Twitter template, one of the um, things that seems to be popping up with all these FPL um, accounts, you can follow us by the way at FPL Hoof, FPL Hoof. Um, you mentioned quite a lot of guys that are super popular, but for good reason. So McCarthy's in almost every team that I've seen. Trent's in almost every team that I've seen. Everyone's it's weird though that McCarthy one. McCarthy's in think? every team on Twitter, but his yeah. percentage ownership is not that high. Yeah, 18%. But it's, it's true. The Twitter population is not very representative of the game. No, but then Nick Pope, who doesn't play in game week one, is selected by 22.7% of teams. Uh, you can find 5% of teams with Dean Henderson in goal, who we don't even know if he'll play. Uh, interestingly, he's more than David De Gea, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, yeah, I think the, the template that seems to be coming through is McCarthy is in McCarthy, Robertson, Salah, Obama, Yang, Berner. Or in every team. Vinagra's in pretty much every team. Mitchell's pretty much in every team. A backup goalie at four millions in every team. And then it's a case of picking your popular guys. And like I've said a few times, I so I currently have Greenwood because I had Son. And I might I might go back to Son, but I'm worried for a few reasons about game week two, I'm worried about man man United playing. Palace at home and absolutely horsing them. I'm worried that if I don't have um, 
a defence, or sorry, a, a bench with at least one sub-defender. So I'm hoping Mitchell plays. And I've got Taylor as well um, from Burnley, who, yeah, we hope will play. And he rotates really well with Benagri, who I'll keep as long as I can. Um, I, what, one of the things I've realised as I keep looking at my team is I know I can't pick my strategy and stick to it because I'm sort of trying to meld too many strategies at once. Because if someone said, you know, who's your absolute standout guy that can assert, say, Salah, Manny and De Bruyne, if that's your top three, and, you're, you know, maybe it's, who's next? Probably Sterling, maybe Aubameyang, maybe Bruno gets up there. The big shout for me is Martial this year comes in, scores 25 goals, and it's ridiculous. Now, I can only get him in my team if I start making sacrifices in other places. Now, where do I want to make that sacrifice? I don't know. Am I gonna am I gonna dump Robo and upgrade Antonio? I mean I could, but we've already talked about the idea of getting someone like Robertson and isn't because we like him instantly to pick up a gazillion points. It's that if last year he went from two hundred and thirteen points for the season down to hundred and eighty three, but their XG in terms of like clean sheets and ex or expected points was a lot higher. We're sort of hoping that we can keep Robertson for the season because how many midfielders, apart from the big bo big boys, can you pick that are going to score 200 points? How many strikers can you pick that are going to score 200 points? There's not that many. No, no there's none. And that's the thing. And that's kind of where I don't mind having that extra value at the defence. I'm paying a wee bit more in defence. And that's kind of, I know you guys touched on it, is that's maybe where a docker takes six million is probably better than Pereira that I have. All right, yeah, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the abrupt end here. Alan here just signing us off. Uh, had some technical issues with Fraser's microphone in the recording for the last 20 minutes, but you didn't miss out on much. We uh, moaned about the chips. We had a moan about uh, what we'd done in previous years with our chips. We had a talk about what we might do uh, with a draft uh, situation, and we talked about which players we wanted to get injured. So maybe it was best the last 20 minutes got left out. Now, we're going to hopefully have uh, a full boat of all presenters, all four of us, Ed, Karen, myself and Fraser, uh, for a podcast next week where we will hopefully have much more of a clue about what we're doing going into game week one. And as always, you can catch us on Twitter at FPL Hoof. And if you're lucky enough to be in our league, uh, send some messages through the group chat and we'll get your questions answered on next week's episode. Bye!